0: Welcome to Press hey, Changes Things, morning. this is Sister Karen Civils, hey, hey, I appreciate each praise God, here. Pastor Woody's with us today. Hey, yo. last week I gave you a summary, and we had a visitor, and I kind of got off on a tangent talking about him more than I did the sermon, I figured, good grief, it was
1: so late when I got into the pulpit, we're a great time now, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to get through this sermon, and this is a brief sermon should be. I've done my best to kind of weed and feed him. But um, by the time I was finished rambling and talking about our history, I could have uh, went ahead and preached a sermon last week. So I appreciate those of you who took the time and stayed and put up with my rambling. But uh, if you had your Bibles, turn with me this morning to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6. Pretty much for the most part, that's where we will stay. I'll, I'll share with you a, a couple of other verses, but for the most part, that's where we're going to be. First Corinthians, chapter six. And I said this to you last week when I discussed what we're going to talk about. You know, one of the things that that I try to do that a lot of pastors spend their time doing these days is kind of standing away or getting away from too much Christianese language, meaning, you know, using terms and phrases that the average Christian understands, and it's like real good, feel good, you know, if you're at a church and pastor says it, you're like, amen, amen, but when you really stop sometimes and you leave the service, and you're like, man, this morning service was good, and maybe you're up lunch. You're right? like, well, all right, what was the subject matter? What was the topic? What was the, well, there was a lot of real good, feel-good stuff said. There was some Christianese language in there and so much of it. There was so much amening, but what was the topic? And so my goal, my hope this morning is that we hear what it is that the Lord is saying to us through this particular piece of context that we're going to look at this morning. Amen. If you will first bow your heads, let's just pray one more time (coughs) ask God to just prepare us, our hearts, our minds, remove any distractions, and uh, just invite God into His house, but not just to His house. He dwells and He lives in our being, in our body. Amen? And I'm very really, Father God, we love you. We just thank you for this day. I thank you for each person, Lord, who, who took the time to be here, especially on a holiday weekend, as we call the end of our summer. It's, it's just so easy to take a weekend like this and a day like this and, and set it aside for our own purpose, for, for our own benefit. But you say in your word that this is the Sabbath, we to take the Sabbath and set it aside and to keep it holy. Not to one day a year, set it aside for our own benefit, but each and every Sabbath, which we represent, we honor, we have sanctified and set it aside. Sunday, we give that day to you, Lord, but more importantly, you have given that day to us. We recognize that So we just ask right now, Lord, that you would open our minds, but prepare our minds, Lord. And if we brought anything into this place that doesn't belong—that's in our minds, that's in our hearts, that's in our being—and Father, I pray that you would help us right now to set it aside. And if we can't do it on our own right now, Lord, through Your Holy Spirit, through Your power of Your Word. Jesus Christ. And you would help us, Lord, by the end of this service, to be where we're supposed to be, especially regarding this point, this topic. Help us to contextualize your word correctly. And for me to not get in the way, for nothing else to get in the way and distract us today, Father. Again, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, again, last week, when I started, when I mentioned to you Christianese language, um kind of began with this. I said, all believers, and this is what I said, maybe, and i want to write it down and then just read this brief portion of Scripture. I said, all believers have been given new life in Jesus Christ. And when I said that, immediately I said, now, we all get that, do we not? That's something that I think... Any pastor stands in the pulpit. We hear it on a regular basis that all believers, and say it slowly, have been given a new life through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And we would immediately, all of us, say, "Amen." That's 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 something we get. That we understand that. But then, when, when you put an entire compound sentence. I didn't call it that last week. I thought about it this morning and, and this is very com- very much a compound sentence, I guess, but you can ask my wife later. She's a teacher. All believers have been given new life in Christ under divine ownership. I'm going to stop there for a moment because, you know, again, even when you use a phrase like that, divine ownership, what does that mean? What does... Uh, pastor mean when he uses a sentence like that or a phrase like that and then you have to ask yourself hey is that phrase in the word because there's a lot of things that we say around christmas christmas time around thanksgiving or just some really good phrases some really good sentences especially as christians and sometimes when i stand up here maybe i'll uh, haven't done this in years I'll read a list of ten phrases, for example. And I'll tell you, did you know that none of those phrases, none of those sentences are in the Bible? Those are just some real good things that we say that that, uh, in many cases it's true and even theologically sound. And it's biblical, but not biblical in the sense that it's in the Bible. It's not even in the Bible uh, if we were to revamp the particular phrase.
0: But I say that
1: just to say that I I really, we're getting ready to look at the the, the couple of phrases that we will pull out. They're in the Word. okay? They're in the Bible. And it, it is important to understand this. Kind of in order to really get who we are in the eyes of God, to get who we're supposed to be in the eyes of the world, and who we're not supposed to be in the eyes of the world. Amen? And so now let me say this entire phrase that I said to you last weekend. Man, this thing is not right today. Talking about the fans. All believers have been given new life in Christ under divine ownership with a divine occupant. And I think you know what I say that, talk talking about the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us. It's in the phrase, it's in the sentence that, that, that Paul uh, addresses regarding what we're going to look at today where he says, "Know ye not? Do you not know? Do you not realize that your body is the temple of the living God, which means that's where God dwells. Amen? And so it's in the Word. You can take that and say, okay, hey, it's a phrase we say, but no, the Word of God says it. It's just, that would be a revised version from the Greek, or the original Greek, where it was originally written. So I'm going to read it one more time, and I'm going to move on. That all believers have been given a new life in Christ under divine ownership with a divine occupant and a divine objective. We're going to hit all those real quickly, and I'm just going to say regarding divine objective that day. We all, when you have truly received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when we have humbled ourselves and surrender ourselves unto God, through Christ that there's a new life, which we've already addressed, and we repent to the best of our ability, we, we strive, okay, we're not going to be perfect, we should be, the word of God says, being perfected until that day, that day being the day of our Lord. Okay, where are we in? We're in the church period on the timeline. There was before the church, okay, but right now we're in the church period. But then there's the day of our Lord. There's a day where we will all stand in judgment. Everybody will. How well did you do with this? How well did you do with this? Why did you not do this? Why did okay, there's things that we're going to have to address, even as Christians. Okay, there's certain things that we won't have to do as believers and as Christians who have accepted the Lord, but there's things that, that everybody will have to And uh, there are going to be, we know, those who stand before the Lord. Well, first of all, it says that there's going to be a day where every knee is going to bow, where every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, Amen. and He is the King of all kings, and He is the Lord of all lords no matter what you say with your mouth today, no matter what you say with your life today and your actions and your choices and your decisions, there will be a day where you and I and every being on this earth will stand before the Lord and we will bow before Him and we will all confess that Jesus Christ is who he said that he is. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, and so therefore, as Christians, we come together on Sunday to exalt the name of Jesus, to 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 glorify God for for the new life that that He's given us, to acknowledge this truth regarding. What we're talking about right now, and regarding, you know, once we get into this particular uh, passage of Scripture. And so, not only on Sundays, because, you know, a lot of people have this belief that if I glorify God on Sundays, then I've done a good job. And I can spend Monday through Saturday any way that I want to. I met somebody not long ago, a really, really good Individual, really good person who I just hit it off with. Actually, met the individual, you know, in in a church and at a particular event. And the individual, you know, was uh, sharing with me, you know, some things. And and I was sharing with him and I said, you know, I, I can get that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't share all of my BC days from the pulpit, it's just uh, sometimes wouldn't be appropriate. But on a need to know basis, if you I are in an altar privately, the two of us, if we're in an office together, and on a need to know basis, if this is gonna benefit you, if you need to know that, hey, you're not alone. Okay, not only, you know, have I been there, but other people have been there. And just because you made this decision, just because you made this choice, it doesn't lock you out with God. Okay, well, this person didn't feel like they were in a bad standing with God. But as we talked more and more, I said, you know what, I, I, I believe. And I said, would it be okay if I prayed with you? <laughs> Regarding this, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that you shared this. I'm glad that I had an opportunity to share with you my experience also. I've been there, I've done that, bought the hat and the t-shirt and, 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 the, and the Crocs too. We just didn't call them Crocs back then. Okay. So we had this moment and we prayed together. But before we prayed, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, where do you stand? you know, with God, do you want to pray? He said, oh, no, no, man, I, I'm good. I'm solid. I'm fine with God. I'm like, you know, well, okay. So, did you almost pray about this? He said, you know, I I prayed, I haven't been to church in 25 years, but I'm solid. I'm good. I prayed a prayer. This is legit. Okay? I prayed a prayer 25 years ago. I prayed a prayer 30 years ago. That's why I say to you sometimes, and, and this is what I mean hey, just because you prayed a prayer 30 years ago, Okay, if you're not faithful to that prayer, which is, if we did it correctly, it's a prayer of, of humility. It's a prayer of surrendering ourselves before the Lord. It's a prayer of turning from our sinful nature. Okay, and you're still living in this world where there's pain, there's suffering, there's temptation. But let no man who's tempted say that he's tempted of the Lord for the Lord. Tempted no man. Tempted no woman. Where did you get that stuff from? In the Bible. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. That he doesn't tempt anybody. He will test you. He will allow you to be tested. He will allow you to be tempted. But he will not tempt you. Okay? He cannot tempt you and, and be who he claims that he is in the word of God. Okay, That would be dishonest of him to be who he is or to claim to be just like Christ. If he came and made all these outrageous claims, which he did make some pretty outrageous claims. But in the end, what did he do? He showed us that every one of those claims, Bob, were legitimate. Amen. Now, there's still a couple that are to happen. We are to experience. Amen? Amen. Amen? Again, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is. And there will be some. Hey, didn't we prophesy? Didn't we, did we preach in your name? Didn't we heal in your name? Did I cast out demons in your name? Yes, but I never do. I'm going to say, depart from me. For I never knew you. We never had relationship. You never accepted my terms. My terms, God's terms for holiness. God's terms for a right relationship with keeping ourselves in good standing with God. And what I mean by that is pure, holy, and acceptable in the sight of God. Now you see, before Christ, God didn't just leave us out there lingering. That's what he gave us the tabernacle of Moses for. This is how, before Christ, you keep yourself pure, holy, and acceptable in the sight of God. If you sinned, and depending upon what type of sin you did, there were particular sacrifices that you would bring into the tabernacle. That was your job. In order to be pure, holy, right in the eyes of God, this is what you needed to do. Now, it wasn't good enough. It didn't have the power to keep you pure, holy, and acceptable in the sight of God. Not the blood of goats. Not the blood of lambs or the blood of doves or any other being that God had created. But ultimately, through Jesus Christ, We can have a right relationship with God, have better understanding of the tabernacle of Moses and each phase, each step of it, Mm -hmm. and ultimately understand why we needed Jesus Christ, because his blood was holy blood, and there was no holiness, and there was no staying power. keeping power and the blood of goats and other things. So we're going to move from there. And so not only on Sundays do we come together and we glorify God, but each and every day, everything that I do, God really has made it clear from the beginning of the Bible that he wants to be a part of your life and he wants to be a part of our choices and our decisions. Now we're not, you know, again, we're going to make mistakes, we're, 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 we're going to fail, we're, we're going to fall short. But you have the ability, through Jesus Christ, to overcome any sin in this world. Any sin. You don't have to succumb to any sin. And so if there's a sin in your life today that you feel like is beating you up, and you just don't have the ability to overcome it. Well, you might be right. Because with man, there's a lot of things in the world. And this isn't audiology. Again, he says it. With man, these things are impossible. But with God,
0: all things are possible.
1: All right. We're on the same page. we read in the same book because I met somebody at a funeral this week that wouldn't even come in a room and pray with Pastor Paul and I because they're of a different faith. And they would not, they're of a different belief other than Christianity. And so they wouldn't even come in a room and just pray before the funeral began. And so... Thank you for letting me know that we're on the same page. Amen. Read the same books again. Yes. All right, look, this is a topic that the Bible addresses thoroughly. This isn't a topic that um, should be as confusing as it is to some people, but it's the Christianese language sometimes. I, uh, I'll just say that. And there's nothing wrong with Christianese language, but if a guy, as I said last week, were to walk in here off the street. And I speak in a way that, hey, all of you are going to get it because you grew up in church or you've been in church for at least long enough. that, hey, I've heard that teaching before and it makes sense to me. And so do you understand what I mean when I say it's, it's sometimes important? In fact, let me say it like this. What's the most famous sermon ever preached, ever spoken that we know of? Sermon on the Mount. Jesus standing on the side of the mountain, the mountain of God, and, and, and did he say anything confusing to you? Do you read that Sermon on the Mount? Have you ever read? And you know, for example, he's you know he said things like, "Thou shalt not kill." Was that confusing to anybody? Okay, if you listen to the entire, or you read the entire thing, you know. There's, there's times that, that even God sent his people to war. And so Jesus didn't even address that topic in a confusing way. But when he addressed, for example, you know, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not fornicate. But even things like this, that, that you know, hey, if, if you're going to start judging other people, that's one of the topics that he dealt with in that sermon. You're going to judge somebody else. You're going to judge your brother. You're going to judge your neighbor. Before you worry about this little speck in your brother's eye, because man, there's a lot of people that just really get concerned, overly concerned about the person sitting next to him or the person living next to him the person living with them, a speck in their eye. And the way I picture it, because I saw a video where Jesus kind of taught it in in this way, and we can say that the director used his, uh, not autistic, his artistic uh, authority when he's making the video, and he picks up a two-by-four and says, hey, before you start worrying about the speck in your brother's eye, About worrying about this plank in your own eye. Is that confusing anybody? Okay, Jesus talked very simply. He didn't get into politics. Okay, you know know, there's a way to address politics. And I'm only saying that because of some things that have been said this week. I make it very, very clear that from the pulpit I'm to address politics, and the reason that I don't, even though a lot of churches do, is that legally not supposed to. Okay, we could lose our tax exemption status. There's a lot of things that could happen, but not supposed to. However, if I'm teaching this work correctly, in a way that I like what Joel said, I like a phrase that you know, teaching, and I'm not gonna say it the way it is. Exactly how Joel said it. But you can teach all topics in the world if we're teaching it through the cross. We're teaching it through Jesus. Okay, then these are ultimately decisions that we, when we're faced with whatever decision in the world. And I'm not talking about politics right now. I'm talking about everything. No matter what choice, what decision you have to face in this world, if you make the decision through that cross, through Jesus, then you shouldn't be confused and you will make the right decision. Amen. Okay, now some people, we will sometimes say, we're going to go this way anyways because there's one thing or two benefits that I'm going to get out of this deal if I go this way, okay, that's a problem in us choosing our will versus God's will. And so, His will, His Word, it's not that difficult. Life isn't. Knowing what to do in most decisions, you can typically ask yourself this, and, and I've always defined sin very simply. There's, there's a lot of ways to talk about sin, there's sin of omission. For example, he who knoweth to doeth right and doeth it not, to him that's sin. If God's put something on my heart and I know I ought to do it, or I know I should not do this thing because it's not a big thing. To most people, it's not anything at all. But to God, I've got a 100 people over my house and one person is going to be offended if I do that thing. Right there alone, I ought not do it. Amen. Why? Because the Word of God says if if what I'm going to do can cause my brother to stumble, the offensive might not be a big deal to God. It might not even be a heaven and a hell issue. But if you believe in your heart, more importantly, if you know in your heart that God would rather you not do anything. And yet you say, I'm going to do it anyway. It just became sin. Might not be a sin in my life. Because God really may not even care. But Joel, you believe in your heart that God doesn't want you to do this thing. And you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. You just chose Joel over God. That is sin. That is sin. In a simple definition, say it like this. Willfully doing what you know, believe in your heart, you know or believe in your heart that God doesn't want you to do, but I want to do it anyway. That, by definition, is sin. Okay? So I can go a lot of different ways and say what is sin and what is not sin. Okay? We're going to get into this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 beginning in verse 12, says that we're talking about glorifying God today. But he really addresses glorifying God in two specific ways. Glorifying Him in spirit and glorifying Him in what? In truth. Glorifying Him in spirit and body. But in truth, the Word of God says that specifically also. That's a specific truth that's in this Word. Okay, worship Him in spirit and in truth. Okay? What we're getting out of this passage today and what we're going to focus on is glorifying God in our body and in our spirit and realizing and identifying is that, hey, is it possible for me to be right in my spirit and wrong in my flesh? And I'll just say it that way. Verse 12 says that all things are lawful for me. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a very specific church. The what church? The Corinthian church. And typically when we think about the Corinthian church or if you've grown up in church and you hear about the Corinthian church, they had some struggles um, that were very specific to the Corinthian church. In fact, all the churches that were originally established, uh, say, by the Apostle Paul or, or the early disciples and apostles in Asia Minor, they've all kind of dealt with their own specific things. Just like, you know, we as a church body have our own specific things that Jesus stood up here today and he were the one preaching to you instead of me. But you really, Jesus should be the one preaching to us right now through me if I'm doing my job correctly. Amen. And I might have just lost some people saying that. Like, you really believe that? Yeah, I really, yes. Not you. Yes, I really believe that. Well, i a teacher. I've got to be real careful with my vocabulary. Who
0: said that's right? No, she did. Okay, I don't say
1: anyone said it. It's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Hey, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says, which and, and let me let me really break that statement up. Bust it up with the big old boulder. Bust this boulder up with a big old sledgehammer. A statement that I just made saying if God were to visit this church. All the seven churches that are spoken of in the book of Revelation are probably. Represented right here in this sanctuary right now. Okay, because each and every one of us, and I'm not talking about denominations right now, I'm talking about where you are personally in your individual standing with God. And so you might be that person that Jesus is speaking to when he said, Hey, behold, and he goes to visit. A particular church, and where is he? Outside of the church, and what does he say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Amen. If anybody heareth me and open the door, and I'm using my own vocabulary and my own language, my own words. You open the door, let me in. I will come in, and I will sup with him. But there's a choice that that church needs to make, and so I would go as far even to say that example I gave you, where an entire people group would not come and pray before the funeral service with. And thank you, everybody who some of you don't know Juan, but thank you, those all of you who took the time and, and came to Juan's. Wanda's husband died, 53 years old. Thank you. I didn't speak, didn't speak to everybody, but thank you for all those of you who took the time to come. It's so important to, to be there for one another when we lose our loved ones. You didn't have to know her husband. Okay, you were there for Wanda. And she needed that. And well, as Pastor Paul and I and Wanda were in this big family room, not a single family member would come in there and pray. Not because... They don't love Wanda, but because their belief isn't in this book, but in another book that was written about a hundred years ago. And uh, this book, there's some belief, but it's a lot of difference. This is the word of God, and this is where our faith and our hope comes from as Christians. Do we agree with that? Yes. Okay, so back on the same page again, and we'll read the same book again. The Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church, but it applies to each and every one of us here today, that all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, But I will not be brought under the power of anything. Now, he says a lot right there in a very short sentence. He's saying, I will not give myself, I will not surrender myself to anything in this world that can influence me and anything can influence us. Anything has the power and the ability to influence you if you give it that power, right? And so he says, I will not be, all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient or helpful, depending upon what version you're reading. All things are lawful for me. Okay, here's what this means. Let's simplify it again. God is with you here for a time. Today is part of your time. And you chose to be here. That's beneficial to you. You made a good decision. Maybe the best decision that you will make all day is the decision that you said, hey, I'm going to church today. Now I'm going I'm to listen to the word of God. You may go home and do some more studying and reading. But you made a decision to be here today. You could have chose to stay home. Yeah. That wouldn't have been as beneficial, would it? But you have the, God has given you the freedom. And you could have made that decision if you want. You may also go out of here today. And you may go sin in a, a, a a horrendous, ridiculous, a slew of different ways. You have that almost, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. There's things that you could go out of here and do right now, and it may not put you in hell. But you continue to live in a certain way. You continue to abuse your relationship with God as if a prayer you prayed one day has given you a license to sin, then you are really missing out on a big portion of this book. You see, God said very similar sentence all throughout this Bible. You go back to the very, very beginning, he's talking to Adam. Adam, you can do anything you want right here with everything, everything you see. Everything I've created, you can do whatever you want, except for this one thing. Because on the day that you do this thing, there's going to be consequences to that decision. Mm -hmm. Paul's saying the same thing. He's using different words. But he's saying the same thing. You can go outside in this world today and do whatever you want to do. A lot of those things are going to be beneficial to your life. Not your physical life, your total life, your eternal life. But some of those things are not going to be helpful, they're not going to be beneficial because there are going to be some consequences to them. Why? Because their sin and so sin when you gave your life unto the Lord you accepted a truth that is in the word and and I'll just call out one verse that I use a lot which is 1 John 3 9 it says whosoever is born of God does not sin for the seed of God remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he's born of God Break that down, simplify that. Sin is no longer and never was an acceptable practice in a godly man's life. If you have pure, whole, and righteousness in the eyes of God, if you want to be he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness shall be filled. Okay, a person who's hungering, And thirsting for righteousness isn't going to go outside today and do that slew of sinning, are they? Why? Because I'm not going to be right in the eyes of God if I were to do that. Amen? Amen. You see, now what people are beginning to do is hesitating with our amens because we're focusing on man's doctrine instead of what this book says to us, what God's word says. You see, God's word, everything I just read to you is very clear. It's what the word says. Okay? But man, we take about 3% of this and we really make it confusing when God has made it very simple. Hmm. Very simple. Nothing we've said yet is confusing. Okay, again, not even talking about heaven and hell stuff in most cases. We're talking about stuff. Does God want me to do this? I can take that book, can take this word right here, and there is not anything that I will consider today That God will not reveal to me through this word, through his Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, and through himself. His will is not confusing. It is only confusing to the man who thinks he's so wise or that he's wiser than. You know how many people I know who want to believe something so badly... They will go on the internet and search and search and search. Here's what I found. Yeah, I found eight times where it's said that way and that's what all the Bible scholars believe. But I found this one person and he's got a doctrine. Mm. And he has written a book. Okay, again, what are we doing? We're getting away from this book again. And we're getting focused on some other book that has made this book confusing. And listen, I use all kinds of books and I use the internet and I google the Greek and the Hebrew and the, so I, I need because I'm not I don't have that wisdom that Solomon had but I do have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit where God oftentimes just brings back to remembrance because that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit he will also even what does it say? Even greater things than you've witnessed his disciples through Jesus Christ. Even greater things than they had read or seen or done. Even greater things than these. And that's a truth that's available for you and I today. It's a truth that's available unto his church. Mm -hmm. But we must believe his word. But you can sit down and, and you can become so educated in worldliness and in science, for example. You take science and Christianity. Now, see, science to me confirms and proves God. Science to me is very helpful in helping me understand some certain things regarding God. Okay, whereas, and there are a lot of Christian scientists who they study And they're searching for God in our universe, or just to confirm his truths, whereas there's a whole other group of scientists and and Bible scholars that it's their goal to, to seek out and go where no man has ever gone before and no man has ever been met. And they become so worldly in their education that this book makes no sense to them. And Jesus even said it's going to become a stumbling block. It'll be a stumbling block for them. But it'll be what? Unto us eternal life. Amen. Amen. Let's get back into this. But he's saying, he said, he said the Apostle Paul says, I'll not allow any, anything in the world, even though I can do anything, I'm not allowed any of it to have control over me. I'll not give power unto anything in the world that has the ability to pull me away from God rather than like a magnet pull me closer to God. That's the point that Paul is making. There's a lot of things that I could pick up in this world that would if I did these things on a daily basis and regular basis, it wouldn't draw me closer to God. It would draw me more into the world. You agree with that? Look at that. We're getting back into some The moment we can't amen, you know, something so simple, and, and I got to be careful and not uh, ask you to amen Woodyology, and so. We'll leave that alone. But that's a pretty uh, easy question. That do you believe that there are things you can go out and put in your life and do it on a regular daily basis and think that it's not going to affect your relationship with God. That it's not going to draw you closer to God, but it has the ability to draw you more into the world. If you were taking the world and uh, putting more of the world in your life and thinking it's not going to make you more worldly, then we're back to reading different books. Because that's what the Word of God says. I can't go through and quote every single phrase. But if you write that down and you ask me to prove it to you, I will show it to you. I'm not just going to throw a statement out like that. Verse 13 says, food is for the stomach. The stomach for foods, but God will destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for sexual immorality. So if I go out here today and I start using my body in any sexual immorality way, it is going to affect my relationship with God and my holiness. Amen. Thank you. Not for amen and me, for amen in God's word. Amen. Because that's what we're reading right now. Verse 14 says that God both raised up the Lord and he will also raise us up by his power. Okay, now this, here's the awesome thing about this. Remember, Paul thought Jesus was a heretic. Paul thought Jesus was guilty of claiming to be a messiah, and he deserved to be killed. He believed it about Stephen. He participated in Stephen, the very Christian martyr who was killed. He participated in it. And he said, you know what? I want to do more of this. I want to be more involved and see this done more often. All these people running around calling themselves Christians deserve what Stephen just got and he went and got authority he got papers that gave him the authority just like we see happening in our world today the government has the power to give authority to you or me to do certain things whether it be right or wrong the government has that authority well Paul was wrong He wanted to seek out and have Christians killed. But here's where Paul was very right. Paul had that hunger and thirst to be right in the eyes of God. And Loren, he believed that what he was doing was right in the eyes of God. And that he was obeying the law. Because according to the Old Testament law... Should you do this thing, you were guilty of death and specifically being stoned. And I'm not talking about the kind of stoning that our government just legalized. I'm talking about taking rocks. In fact, one part of the law, if you had a child that was incorrigible and you tried and tried and tried, but they kept and kept and kept doing what it was that they were doing, it was your job as a holy parent, you were to bring your own child before the city and have your own child stoned. Now, who of you could do that today? Could any of you do it? I couldn't do it. And I wouldn't do it. And I wouldn't have done it then. And so I would have failed and I would have sinned in that regard in the eyes of God. Now, God didn't want to have any Children stoned whether they were, and he wasn't stoning five-year-old kids. That's not what we're talking about. They didn't even have an age of understanding. But you get to a point in an age where you know right from wrong. Okay, and everybody, there is no, I'm not going to say there's an age of accountability. Because everybody's different. Okay, some 14-year-olds know more than a lot of 30-year-olds. Would you agree with that? Okay. They, they do, in most cases, you're right, but there are some 14 year olds, I guarantee you, who, who know that they're, they're in college, they bypassed everything, zip right on past all of us. There are some, when it comes to their knowledge and understanding, they just have a different, okay? But my point is, is that everybody, even as adults, we depending upon where we were born, where we were raised, what country we're in, okay, what we were taught, Determines, you know, your understanding of God, and so Paul had a very good understanding of the law. Okay, I'm not going to get as far as I want, so I'm going to I'm, I'm not going to do what I did to you last week and uh, and hold you here forever. So, especially you took the time to be here on the holidays. so I, I am going to begin to close here and wrap this up because uh, we're going to get through all of this, and I'm going to come back and revisit this. Verse fourteen says, "And God both raised up the Lord, and He will raise us up." The apostle Paul wanted to be right in the eyes of God, and so because of that, he this right here, he didn't. He thought this was right, what they did to Christ, and so now he's on the road to hunt down Christians, and he has the authority to do it, and he's bringing them back. He's going to have them charged. If they crucify him, he's cool with that. If they stone him, he's cool with that. Whatever the Sanhedrin court decides in regard to having them judged according to the law, he's good with it as long as it's right in the eyes of God. Well, that thing, that zeal, that's what the word says. He had a zeal for God. We're here today. I believe all of us because we have a zeal for God to be right in the eyes of God. Amen. 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 I want to be right in the eyes of God. What man? You know, I really want this one thing really, really badly. I want to stand before God one day, and I want to hear God say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." Amen. I didn't give you a whole lot to work what I did give you to work with, you were faithful with it. And as a result, I'm not looking for a big mansion, I'm not looking for this, I'm not looking for that, but hey, if that's what he's throwing out to people, all right, I want to be a part of that, okay? <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is that he's giving out, I want to be a part of it, right? right. Whatever the rewards are, again, okay, I just want, you know, I don't have to be the, just like here, okay? I don't need to be a billionaire, to be content in this world. Okay, but if everybody else up there is a billionaire, all right, I I think I I want to do my job down here to be, you know, at least a millionaire. (laughs) Whatever it is, I don't know. I don't believe it's going to be about money and mansions. And I think when God has said, you know, God's very literal with this book, but a lot of it is symbolic. And it's just not for us to really understand or know on this side of eternity. It's not what's most important. And one of the things that you know, I oftentimes wonder about is the, you know, the gates of pearl, the streets of gold. And I really believe sometimes that God has taken the most beautiful things known unto man on this side of eternity. And he said, do you want that? And I can't fathom anything worse than burning for eternity. I can't fathom anything worse than that. And so, if God doesn't do it that way, but he's making a point, which I do believe this is one of the points. Here's the most beautiful things that exist, and here's the most painful choose. That's how simple his message is to me. Does any when I get there, I don't, there doesn't have to be any streets of gold. Okay? As long as I choose right mm-hmm. and I choose to be on the right team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And as long as, as on this side of the train, because I know I fall short. I know I fall short on this side. And there's sometimes I might say the wrong thing. In a certain situation. And I know if somebody walking the street and I'm at a store and somebody were to say something inappropriate to my wife or something like that. Well, that guy's going to get a response. I'm going to have a hard time, you know. Don't get me wrong. My wife will tell you. I have turned the other cheek multiple times. Okay, but then they just keep. And I'm like, you know what, God? I was faithful, wasn't I? I mean, this guy slapped me about four or five times right now. It's time for me to get out of this car and let this guy know. You know? And I didn't touch anybody, but I let him know, hey, just FYI. And then he realized, okay, go ahead and do that. Now I'm going to call the police on you. I said, you, you don't want to slap anybody. You don't want to fight anybody exactly like you did. Thought you did for a moment. But no, hey, what's, the point is, again, I can go out of here today, and would you put some music on there? I'm, I'm really, I'm wrapping it up. We can go out of here today, and I can do a whole lot of things wrong, very quickly. It's not hard, maybe. Satan will tempt you. Satan will fool you in a lot of different ways. And, and, and I, even to the best of my ability, where my wife's concerned, where my children, I strive. It is my job to strive to make the right decision. And even in those hard moments... You had the ability to make the right decision. Why? Well, number one, he's told you what to do in that decision. You just have to accept what he has said and not go like this and go, well, I'm sure he has said it a different way to where I can do this if I really want to. You with me? You ever done that? Where you try to line this up with your life. That of, what we're supposed to do is take our lives and line it up with this. In that regard, it, right? the labor in the Bible was a reflection, a moment of reflection to consider your actions. And the priest, before he could take another step, had to Look into that labor. And there was a reflection there. He had to wash his feet. He had to wash his hands. And they had to be clean before he could enter the holy place. Not the holy of holies. Because only the high priest could enter there and only once a year. And then he would better be purer than beer. Or he would you know, like that. He would be snuffed out like a flame as quickly as he stepped into the presence of God. Because you can't be in the presence of God and have sin in your life. And now, the blood of Christ cleanses us. We'll talk about that in is the blood of Christ who cleanses us. But if you understand the book of Revelation, which is a very difficult book to understand, when Jesus visits those seven churches, one of the things that he nails on the head is he says, hey, some of you, remember he's talking to churches, his churches. He says, hey, I've heard you're doing really well. And this, particular area. Got your beautiful white garment all cleaned up. Took your dip in the pool. But some of you have gone back out and you've got muck on that new garment that I gave you. Now, if you overcome whatever it is that has dirtied you back up, you're gonna be okay. I'm gonna give you I'm going to clean that garment back up. But there's implications in each and every one of those situations. To where there are consequences to our relationship, right? Yes. Okay, we're gonna stop right.
0: Well, that concludes the episode. Pastor Woody Wallace did an awesome job, did he not? Praise God. We thank God for the anointing that's on his life. We thank God as he pastors and his wife co-pastors with him, Crossroads Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. And we thank God for the messenger. We thank God for the message. And we thank God that we, as the hearers, together, we are blessed exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us. So we praise God that we have the ability to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And according to the scriptures, praise God that Pastor Woody used in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12-14, through 14, that we take heed, hallelujah, to the Word of God, and that we allow it to work in us And help us, hallelujah, to rise above our circumstances and to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen, amen, amen. So may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Remember, prayer changes things. It's changing me and I pray it's changing you too. May the Lord bless you and your families richly. And it is in Jesus' name I I certainly, certainly from my heart say that. May the Lord bless you and your families richly. Until next time, this is Sister Karen Sivils. Bye for now.